better cup. My wife told me my cup last time looked very girly. <laughs> oh, that was Polish pottery. Yeah, exactly. All right, stay tuned, stay tuned, stay tuned. I'm here with... The coach, John Brent. And, of course, you know me, the vet. So, today... Politics? Any politics? Just a little bit this Just a time. little bit. We're going to throw some curveballs in there today. Ooh, yes. I don't know anything about politics. I never talk politics. No, nope, okay. no, no. So, uh, I think we're going to do the top five presidents of all time. Our personal opinions, of course. Top five presidents. <laughs> yeah, and with presidents, it could be... Uh, it's, it's a lot of it personal. Yes, Because definitely. it could be... You know, what depends on what a good president is. Could be politics, could be your party, could be the time, you know, that they lived in. I mean, uh, so there's a lot involved in that. But people always ask me, who's your favorite president? Now, that's different. But my favorite president, I believe, is the fifth best president of all time. And that would be John Adams, the second president, the first vice president. The reason that I think that he's my favorite president, which I think – goes into this is he was a lawyer and not only was he a lawyer he was a moral guy he represented the british soldiers at the boston massacre when his uh cousin absolutely uh samuel adams did not want him touching it and he said no i'm going to do what's right so he represented the soldiers got the soldiers off uh on uh, defense um so they didn't get any uh, charges because it was defense because of uh, the people attacking them so it was great he was also a member of the first continental congress he was on to five. People think, well, Thomas Jefferson wrote the Declaration of Independence. Yes, he did, but he was on a, a committee of five. And John Adams and Franklin and Sherman and and, and uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Lee, Henry, Richard Henry Lee was the other ones that were also involved in that. So it wasn't just uh, Thomas Jefferson. He was a delegate at the Continental Congress, commissioner to France, first minister to the Netherlands, and the first minister to Great Britain after we became independent. I mean, this guy did it all. And if any of you ever like to watch the HBO special John Adams, there's a great scene where he has to go as a minister to Great Britain and puts himself in front of King George III to say, hey, we want to be friends now. One <laughs> of the greatest scenes of all times in, in any kind of movie or miniseries, I believe. Go ahead, number five, John Adams. So my number five is, you know I'm a war guy and uh, I'm an army guy, so I kind of like things that have to deal with conflict a little bit. But I picked James Madison. Boy. We're a young country. Uh, you know, he helped with, with, with framing our, our country to begin with, but with him, he has to face the fact that we just went into our first war as a country, actually, and actually our second war in just less than 20 years. You know, we go into the War of 1812. Right. And we have troops that are not our troops on American soil fighting our soldiers. And uh, that's just a something that resonates with me. I think that's a challenge that most presidents just have not ever occurred. No. And another thing about Madison I like is that he came, he went early to Philadelphia because he was the mind that wanted to read everything he could about constitutions and things like that before everyone got there. So he actually went a couple months early just to study prior to everybody coming to Philadelphia for the convention. Well, two things I have with him is is the is the White House or the Capitol. I don't remember which one, but it burned during that time sure because did. of the war. Second thing, kind of make you think of some politics today is the people that he picked to be in power in his cabinet were to appease the politicians in some aspect and he actually did like four roles compared to what the president would do today 
because he knew that that person, the, the person needed to be there would never get approved politically. Right. So he had to put a puppet there, and then he did the job too. Exactly. So my hat's off to him. So that was my number five. All right, number four kind of leads me into that. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, number four. A lot of people think that might be low, but Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, the second vice president under Adams. Um, he was a statesman, diplomat, lawyer, architect, philosopher, and a founding father. We also know that, like we said earlier, he wrote the Declaration of Independence. Uh, when you think of the early American Constitution, the laws, the things that are getting done, if you don't think of Thomas Jefferson, you're not thinking correctly. I mean, he was the guy. But just, just take him totally out of that for a second. The deal he made with Napoleon to get the Louisiana Purchase for $15 million, pretty much double the size of America in one $15 million payment. One of the greatest deals of all time. You're talking about making deals, Trump. That's a deal maker <laughs> right there. Let's go. Well, something I'll say about Thomas Jefferson that I really like the coach here is, is he changed his mind, and, and it forged a lot of what our country is, and people don't understand this. Prior to this decision that he made with a combined Navy, he believed each state should have their own definition of military and handle their own business. But due to all the uh, uh, the pirates that were happening out in the Mediterranean, you know, he had to form a consolidated navy with America, right. and it set the trend for that right there. And so he was willing to change his mind to satisfy America's needs. And sometimes I think in the last 30 years that has been forgotten. And one thing I did forget, but it, you made me think about it, you said Madison, whatever, with the burning of the White House. When the White House burnt, the, the Library of Congress burnt. Oh, and all of our books were gone. And he had about 9,000 uh, books in his personal library that he donated to start the new Library of Congress that's there today. So it started with his foundational uh, charity of giving that away. Well, that's good. There you go. So my number four... Uh, is a Texan himself, George W. Bush. Wow. Yes. Curveball. Curveball. But I will say there's a couple things I love about GW. And first of all, you knew where you stood with him. The other thing I'll say is he came to America at a time, he came to be president at a time there was controversy. But at that time, we had leaders in the military saying, hey, we're never going to fight a real war again. Only thing we're going to fight is over some fishing water territorial rights that we've gotten past all that. And then 9-11 happened. Bam. And 9-11 happened. And I remember I had an uncle that came to me and, and he was a hardline Democrat. Mm -hmm. And this is what he said. I thank God that Al Gore was not president during this time. And I thank God it was George W. Because at least I knew we were going to do something. Yeah. Well, and, that, and he has voted Democrat his whole life. And I'm not here to be Democrat Republican, sure. but that just tells you the sentiment, and you understood that with him. And the last thing I will say about George W. Bush is a lot of presidents can take note of how classy he really is and was. Absolutely. He never talked bad about his predecessor, not once. Not once. And he never talked bad about his successor. And the nope. second he walked out that door, that was forgotten about. Exactly. Good guy. And set the tone on how we are today. I'll never forget the. I'll never forget when he gave the speech in the Oval. Uh, no, it wasn't the Oval Office. It was at the uh, conference table, and he got choked up. And I think we needed to hear that. Yep. That this this leader that that we have when this time, because all of us are feeling that way, is feeling the same emotions that we were. I think that was great. I, I agree. And and something from the military side that I'll say is when we assume a position in the military or a commander assumes position. We say every excuse 
blame it on the pa- the previous guy left the second you took command, mm. and he owned that. That was him totally. Well, some people need to be doing that more today, even the ones yes. that we support sometimes. All right, number three for me, FDR. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, the president fought. He was the World War II that saved us from speaking German. I mean, I don't even, I can't speak hardly perfect English. How am I gonna learn yeah, German? I speak Texan. Come on, vet, help me. <laughs> He led the big three, FDR, Churchill, and Stalin. At that time, without those three, we're literally got a major problem with the Japanese, the Italians, and the uh, and the Nazis. And you know, thank God we had him at that time. Uh, and he also had to make one of the hardest decisions of all time, I believe, was dropping the atomic bomb to save not only Americans, but also probably saved close to a million Japanese at the same time. Even though it was a horrible, horrific thing that we had to do. But most of the people, historians and people that go back and look at it, realize that we probably saved anywhere between 700 and 1.2 million total people by doing that. But could you imagine oh, having that decision? All right, so, go ahead. So that is my number three as well, All FDR. Right. There you go. And, and I'll say it like this with FDR is, there's some things that I don't agree with FDR. Uh, I think he extended the depression years another 10 years by his policies. That's a mm. fact, we know that if you go in the economics of it. Uh, and I also think that uh, uh, a lot of the social reforms he started, but if you if you ever read something like uh, the Forgotten Man, he got them from Russia, mm. Soviet Russia. Yeah, like that. that's where he got them from. But he was the mainstay during World War II. And to give you a great example, is Churchill gave him a call right after the Brits were pushed off Dunkirk, asking for tanks and equipment. And FDR says, "Hey." We don't have anything but World War One stuff, and mm. Churchill goes, "I only have 17 tanks left in the inventory. <laughs> oh Give me what you got." Right. And so he had to turn to the industrial base, and to get it churned up. The deal was the reason why we couldn't interfere with Germany, is we physically couldn't. We right. would have got our butt handed to us immediately. So it took two years of that mainstay, and some of that's his stubbornness, some of his guidance, and maybe it could have went a little faster, but. It was his vision to get us there that saved the free world, to be honest. Oh, man, I love the guy. All right, number two. It's a tough between one and two for me, but I think I'm going to take number two is Abraham Lincoln. Wow. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, what he did for the country at that time, he stood up for things, but he also kept the country together. And that was one of the hardest things was to keep the union unified. He said, you know, no, you're not going to leave. You're not going to start a new country. You're not going to go down there and do what you're going to do in the South. We are going to make sure that we keep this union together. And that was huge. I don't think anyone could understand the pressure, the anxiety uh, of having to, to say, you know what? We are going to fight this battle against brothers and sisters and uncles. We're going to do it because we have to do it for the country. Of course, we know that he was in, the, uh, you know, of course, uh, abolishing slavery, bolstered the federal government. Modernized, modernized the U.S. economy. He did so many things, but I really think the decisions that he made got us pushing forward to where we are now. Without his leadership at the time, it could have been decades, maybe even a half a century before um, you know, slavery ended and the things happened without the push that he did. That's, that's my opinion on that. Well, well, Coach, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think he's number two, N- hands number down. Two. He saved our nation Yes. at the end of the day. And this is something I will say that we, we have a lot of political bickering today. Um, the, the, the POTUS fires this person. The POTUS fires this person. Go look how many generals Abraham Lincoln fired before he got to Grant. And I will tell you, if he didn't get to Grant, 
we'd have had a problem. We would not have the nation we have today. Absolutely. And, and that's just the way it is. And he fired him. He fired a general after he won. He built. He beat the Silver Fox at Gettysburg. You know, and you fire that general. You're like, dude, that's, man, you did it. You kind did of reminds it. me of Jerry Jones. Yes. Getting rid of Jimmy. Okay, yeah. now we won't get into that. But, so we gripe about it, but it brings back to the point that everybody that's underneath the president serves the leisure of the president. Absolutely. His cabinet or his military member or whatever. And he had the foresight to see that, hey, this dude ain't cutting it. This dude will not get it for our country. And then he went to old Grant. And Grant, he weathered the storm. Well, Grant didn't play. Nope. We might have to do general sometime. Oh. All right. Number one, I don't think there's any way that we can not say that the greatest president of all time uh, is the great George Washington. I mean, not only was he a general, he was a general in the uh, Continental Army. He was the, uh, heck, he was in the Seven Years' War. Not only that, he was no political party. He's the only president we've ever had that did not have a political affiliation. Wasn't a Democrat, Republican. A lot of people don't know that that was a party. He was no one when it comes to parties, except he wanted to be the leader of the United States. Even though he even tried to retire, they brought him back. But he was the first president. He set the standard of presidents. One of the things that I wrote down that I want to make sure I say correctly is Washington declined to run for a third term of office, believing in that his death in office would create an image of a lifetime appointment. The precedent of a two-term limit was created by his retirement from office. He was way ahead before an amendment for that saying, look, we don't need another king. We just came out of that. I don't want anybody to think of this executive branch as that. The great George Washington was not only our first president, but when he walked into a room, Everyone stopped. And one of the things that the last thing I want to say about him is when John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and Madison were having conversations back about having the Continental uh, Congress and having the, 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 you know, about a constitution, they said, this will only have validity if Washington sits there. And he has to come to it. So George Washington is number one for me. So before I hit my number one, I'm going to name some names that, that rang high with me. And, uh, and you'll see kind of, a, I don't know, maybe you'll see a theme or not. Ronald Reagan rang high with me. Teddy Roosevelt rang high with me. Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, and JFK all rang high with me, and they were all right in a row. And uh, But I focus mine, honestly, on the fact that I think that certain presidents, five, have faced war on our soul, and all the other ones had an easy job. I'm, I, just, I just look at it like that. That's, a, that's the way the vet looks at it. All the rest had an easy job. Go figure that crap out, guys. <laughs> hey, these five here, our nation was in jeopardy completely. These others, go figure it out. Man up and do it. So the number one, which I totally agree with you, is George Washington. Hands down. G-dub. Hands down, George Washington. And what I'll say about him is we wouldn't be a country if we did not have that general as a general. He was smarter at the time than all the generals we had and all the generals the British had. Absolutely. Hands down. He was smart enough to play cat and mouse and realized we couldn't fight a straight fight with him, you know, but he could have marched his army into Philadelphia, Washington, wherever we wanted to call the, the capital at the time and said, Hey, I'm the King. And the country would have said so. Absolutely. They would have followed him. But he had enough humbleness in him, humility that he sat there and said, the nation is more important than I am. And just like what you said with the third term, the nation is more mm. important than I am as well as the political party thing that he says, I'm not a president of the Republican party or the democratic party or the Whig party or the progressive party or the federalist party. 
I'm the president of the United States of Absolutely. America. Whether you like me or not, I am your man, period. Well, he actually said in his farewell address, two things that he said that always has stuck out to me is number one, looking forward to the problems that I think we will have is number one, foreign debt. And number two, the one he was terrified of the most was political parties. He's yep. a very smart man. That was so many years ago. One of the things that, looking at it from a coaching standpoint, this guy knew how to coach when oh, it came yeah. to battle. It was kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs last year, if you think about it. When we first started the battle for our independence, it wasn't going well. I mean, it, we were having some problems. We weren't just winning every battle. We were freezing in the cold. And all of a sudden, when they thought the tide was turning against us, we might not, we might not win. Here comes Mahomes. Here comes, yeah. here comes Washington. And at the end, he just obliterated everyone, and it just just an amazing victory that set us where we are today. And to think of this is two generals that he really depended on during the Revolutionary War. Nathaniel Green, mm. a quartermaster general. I'm going to throw it out there to all you infantry guys. A loggy went down there to Carolinas and kicked butt while the infantry guy couldn't do it. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> and then the other one is the fact that Gene Lafitte. Oh, oh my Lafitte. gosh. What would we have done without him? He sat there, and that was his bull in the china shop, man. I mean, a 24, 26-year-old general from France. Anybody want to talk about France and they ain't got no guts? Maybe they deported the only one that did. Yeah, thank that God they did. Got, yes, thank God. And he was 24. You have to realize one of the things that we looked at, and we need to look at this going forward. We're running out of time here for today, but when people were 18 or 22, 24 back 100, 150, 200 years ago, it was a totally different place of mentally where kids are today at 18, 20, and 24. Back then, I mean, we have so many. We can go over history. Just anybody yeah. below the age of 25 that did something great, oh, we gosh. have a whole list. In today's time, just to put it in perspective, a general is around 50 to, to 55 years of age. Exactly. Well, this was a great session. This is great. I loved it. Politics, but an easy politics. Easy politics. We're just going in easy, easy. right now. Before yeah. we hit you with something, I'm sure, very controversial, that's what we do. Yes. So, we'd like for you to stay tuned in society as well as, a, as in your own community. So, the coach. To the vet. Hey, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. That's a good... Right, yeah, Hello? Oh, I missed it.